everyone. Welcome to Just Mental Health with Stefan M. The po- Wait a second. I think I started it too early. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Just Mental Health with Stefan M. The podcast where we discuss mental health from a social justice lens. I'm Emily. And I'm Stephanie. A quick disclaimer before we get started. We are mental health professionals, but this is not to be taken as professional advice. We are also aware that our privilege may cloud our perspective on some topics, and we not only welcome, but we also encourage you to message us with criticism and correction. Let's get started. So let's start with our, um, what's it called? What's it called? Small business shout out. (laughs) Uh, So today uh, we have the... um, classes and uh, tutoring services of Daniel Sanders. I'm going to read you some information he sent me. It's 100% virtual, individual, and small group, uh, trying to develop actual, quote, classes. His style is a mix of very informal with some lecture, kind of an adaptive Socratic style. He can tutor any age, but tends to focus on junior high through college with an emphasis on later years. Prices are flexible. For example, he'll happily work with broke college students to find something they can afford, but usually charges $75 an hour on a weekly or biweekly basis. Uh, He doesn't have an online presence right now, but he will have a Facebook page soon. But if you'd like to uh, get in touch with him, his email is dandanthehistoryman at gmail.com. Also, note... He doesn't really do the teaching of history in such a way that students only regurgitate names and dates and a a simplistic and nationalistic view of history. He does teach history, but he teaches them how to think critically about the past. And for the older kids, teaches them to think about what implications that may or may not have. Uh, His qualifications, uh, he graduated summa cum laude, studied social science from NLU Chicago, um, PGDIP. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. I should have looked that up. <laughs> uh, from St. Andrews in Scotland uh, in med- medieval history with archaeology and a master's from Tel Aviv University in history classics and archaeology. So, wow. Uh yeah, so that's um some really he seems like really qualified uh uh seems like a really good choice if you're looking for those services. So again, it's dan dan the history man at gmail.com. So that's so, cool. That's that's easy to remember. It's like I know, happy. right? That's yeah. Clever. Um so let's get started on our topic. Uh, today we're going to be talking about body safety and children. So let's first define what we mean by that. Mm-hmm. So body safety is uh, a, kid, a, a kid's, kid's sense of how to keep their body safe, which makes sense because it's called body mm-hmm. safety. But this can mean like knowing their private parts, um, knowing what like who can touch their private mm-hmm. parts, what situations it's appropriate to have their private parts touched. What consent um, is. What consent is. 
that uh, just the general fact that they are the boss of their bodies, they mm-hmm. get to choose who touches them, uh, you know, being able to uh, say no to being hugged, being like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the like uh, medical terminology, like the actual names of the body parts so that they can talk about it. And right. uh, <clears throat> yeah, let's, let's, uh, that's a good, let's go ahead and jump start right with that one. Yeah. yeah. So if you teach kids to call their vulva, a cookie right. and penis, a, uh, PP or mm-hmm. something like that, then, uh, you're teaching them basically that parts of their body are bad words. Mm-hmm. Um, you're teaching them like to create kind of a sense of shame around those body parts. Mm-hmm. It also makes them feel like, okay, these are bad words. So I can't talk about these body parts mm-hmm. with, with anyone. Um, and then, but what the, the issue comes with, what if they're in a situation where they need to talk about their body parts, right. such as what if somebody is inappropriately touching those body parts mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, well these, these are bad. These are bad body parts. I can't talk about them. Or they say something like, so-and-so is touching my cookie. Right. Well, the, whoever they're telling might be like, well, just ask them not to touch your cookie or just go to the Right. You think it's a, an actual cookie that you would eat. And yeah. Like chocolate chip or something. And they're – I had that happen. Well, so we both worked together mm-hmm. when we did at, this, at the agency. Um, and we would see – a lot of kids, it was family and children, um, but we saw a lot of kids. And unfortunately, we ha- also happened to see a lot of kids that had sexual abuse or a- abuse of some kind. They were in the system or they had been victims. Um, and so w- we did a lot of this. We did a lot of body safety with kids. Mm-hmm. And I had one girl, just trigger warning for anyone, um, nothing too graphic, but, you know, it is about child sexual abuse. And um, she she w- had that going on. She was a victim of um, <clears throat> sexual abuse from her father. And so DCBS was involved. And when she gave for her forensic interview, she said that he had touched her kitty. Mm. And she had a cat that she called Kitty. Um, So it was really hard for them to get her, like, without, you know, leading, um, like, asking leading questions um, to get her to be like, what do you mean when you say you're Kitty? And she would sometimes get confused when you'd ask her about her Kitty and she'd talk about her cat. And so it was, it was complicated because it was sort of like, well, you know, I mean, they went to court and everything. And, um, there, one of the things that the lawyer tried to argue was like, well, she said it was her kitty. Like you guys are making this up, you know? And it was just, it was a mess. It was horrible. But one of the things I worked with her on was the proper names of things, um, And that's, that's just one reason that's sort of worst case scenario. You hope that never happens. Your, your child never has to give a testimony about anything like that. But even just like, oh, my, 
my vulva is itchy. You know, why? Like, right. like kitties, there itchy. could be something else going on. That kitties itchy. Why don't you take your kitty to the vet? You know, yeah. like what people are gonna say, or even just like any like kids mm-hmm. should be be able to communicate about their private parts, and they need to right. they need to know the words for it. And even if it it's like a word that's like like pee pee. Mm-hmm. Like most people would know what you're talking about if you say pee pee, mm-hmm. but even that's an example where it would it it creates that sense of shame. Yeah, like my actual name, the actual name of the part is is bad or something you have to keep hidden. And then when you say when you're teaching them the correct names of things, and you say penis, vagina, yeah, like, vulva, mm-hmm. breast, yeah. they're yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, that, you know, and you're like, there's no, why, why are we not supposed to say that? It's like, this, this is your elbow, this is yeah. your nose, this is your penis, this is your vulva, mm-hmm. this is, you know, and, um, but the, and another thing that a lot of the parents we worked with had an issue or a concern about mm-hmm. was they didn't want them to go around just saying these right. words, but you have to teach the difference between bad and private. Yeah. If you don't teach it to them at all, you're teaching them that it's bad. But if you teach it to them but differentiate, these are words that you don't – like it's not appropriate for you to talk about your private parts with everyone. But that doesn't mean they're bad and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean the words are bad. Um, and that that's the difference is teaching them – like they think that if – people think that if you don't want your kids to talk about – certain things with certain people that you shouldn't teach it to them at all. Right. right. True. Like you have to just teach them the boundaries around it. Right. And when you take the uh, secrecy, shame, the bad word, you know, out of the picture, then it doesn't become something that it's not, it's not funny to just go around and be like, Oh, my nose. (laughs) Because (laughs) nose is not a, considered a bad word it's not considered inappropriate for anyone to say so if you just take that away then you know a kid going around saying my penis <laughs> you're not going to be like you're just gonna be like okay yeah mm-hmm. let's let's talk about something else you know or, <laughs> let's talk about something. your lunch okay you know it's not funny <laughs> like I, I don't know it <laughs> you just it's even the same thing like and that's that's uh you know, it's okay that you're saying those words, but over lunch is not the appropriate place to say Yeah, that. we don't want to talk about that at talk lunch. About that. Let's talk about that later in a private mm-hmm. setting or, you know, something like that. And so, yeah, that's part of body safety is also privacy. And what is privacy? And that um, it's okay to be private, but we don't keep secrets, you know, and what the difference in that is. And mm-hmm. that's also about protecting kids from predators. A lot of it is about protecting kids from predators. But also it's just good information for them to have um, so that they can know about their bodies. They don't feel shame about their bodies. And they can communicate if something has gone wrong. Right. Um yeah, a big thing where that comes up is when kids are touching their private parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you do not want to tell them not to do that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to create shame around it. And honestly, it's harmless. <laughs> if they're touching their own and private it's parts. it's normal. It's normal. Developmentally you know? normal. 
it's normal. Um, it's it, yeah, yes, yeah. That's mm-hmm. where we should start with that. That it is normal, and no one thinks it's normal. No one knows it's normal. Mm-hmm. It's normal to experience, like you know, kids are they're learning about everything, ex- including their own bodies. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna you know feel different parts of their bodies and experience mm-hmm. different sensations. Um, so it is, it's normal to do that. And when you tell them not to do something that's not harmful with their own bodies, you're, you're, you're not teaching them that they have control. You, you want to teach them that they have control over their bodies. And so then when they Mm -hmm. are doing, like if they're harming their body, that's (laughs) but if if they're touching their private parts, that's not harmful. It's normal. And allowing them to do it teaches them that's your body and you can do what Mm -hmm. you want with your body. But that's where you have to draw the boundary between private Private. and not private. Mm -hmm. Like if they're doing that at school, that's not okay. That's Mm -hmm. for you to do alone in your, when you're, when it's just you. Yes. Um, Yeah. Alone in your room or when you're in the bathroom, like you would when you're going to the bathroom, you don't do that in front of your friends. You don't do this in front of your friends. Like it's, um, yeah, it makes people uncomfortable to think of that children have any sort of sexuality, but they do. Um, and so just because it makes you uncomfortable, doesn't make it wrong or doesn't make like if, yeah. it, if you want to if you want to make it stop because it makes you uncomfortable that's like this isn't about you right <laughs> maybe you need like, to work through why that makes you uncomfortable yeah yeah um and so it can be really hard for people that maybe they had a, a different upbringing or they were victims of inappropriate touch or abuse as a child it can be hard um, for them to know where that line is with their kids as far as like, what is normal and what do I need to worry about? And that's been one of those things working with parents too, is sometimes they, they say, you know, my kid has started doing this. They've started touching themselves. And does that mean somebody has touched them? Did something happen? Like, you know, and worst case scenario, and it's because they have their own their own trauma or just because they've heard of other, of it happening to other kids. And so um, it doesn't necessarily mean at all that anything bad has happened. You can kind of, uh, once you open that um, line of communication with your kids and, and you keep it open and they know that they can talk to you about what's going on with their body, um, then it's a little easier to go to them and be like, Hey, has anything happened? Are you okay? Right. Is there anything you want to tell me? Yes. Because okay. kids, if they can talk to you uh, about, you know, um, their vagina and their penis, then it when somebody touches it who's not supposed to, or when somebody makes them feel uncomfortable, which is also, it's more than just touch with body safety, but it's also like, is an adult or another kid making you feel uncomfortable about your body doing something else? You can tell me and yeah. you're, you're not going to get in trouble. And when I said, just to clarify what mm-hmm. I, when I said just now, it's not about you. 
I understand that a lot of people feel uncomfortable because mm-hmm. of what you said. They have their own histories. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, but even still, you know, it's, uh, it is normal and it is like the general public is uncomfortable with the thought that children are touching their private parts. Um, mm-hmm. but it is, it is normal. And, um, yeah. Oh, like you, like you said, opening, opening up the communication, making them feel comfortable communicating with you. Um, so many times kids that I worked with said they didn't tell anyone because they were afraid of getting in trouble. Yes. They didn't tell anyone that someone was, was touching them. Um, was sexually abusing them mm-hmm. because they were afraid of getting in trouble. And it's just, uh, it's so like, and I don't fault the parents, you know, because we're not like our culture doesn't really allow, unfortunately for like, it doesn't teach like our culture doesn't tell parents mm-hmm. that these are the sorts of things that they need to teach kids. So I don't fault the parents. Right. Um, just, A I lot that our culture was, mm-hmm. was different and that it was, you know, we didn't, we, it was more open. It just, like I said, there's a difference between being, having no shame associated mm-hmm. with it and normalizing it and making it inappropriate. Like you can teach your kids how to communicate about it mm-hmm. appropriately. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be like, a f- just do whatever you want. I mean, and that's not, I think people hear that sometimes like, well, you shouldn't talk about sexual things with kids because that's gross. Well, but you're not talking about sexual things with kids. You're talking about their bodies with them. You're teaching them their bodies. And, and so differentiating also, this is sort of the, the fucked up piece of the culture is differentiating talking about your body from talking about sex. It's Mm -hmm. not the same thing. Now there's an age when it becomes appropriate that you should talk with your kids about sex because they're going to start having sex um, or their chances of having sex that might do it. And typically is like around middle school um, that kids might start exploring that. But when they're young and you're just talking about their bodies, it's don't sexualize their bodies by you getting uncomfortable thinking, well, I shouldn't talk about this with my kids because it's about sex. No, it's about anatomy. It's about their body health and their safety. That's different. So, you know, you can have age appropriate conversations with your kids and as they get older, um, you can add more that is that as it becomes appropriate. So you don't have to talk about where babies come from right away. You can just talk about how some people have a penis, some people have a vagina. What do you have? I have some of both. Yes, yeah. And um, you know, and what do you have? And and who are you gonna tell if you if something happens, if you feel uncomfortable? If someone touches you, if someone does something that you don't like, if you tell them no and they don't listen, um, and that goes the same with any touching. So like we typically, when you're teaching it to kids, you say like your private area is like your bathing suit area, right? Mm-hmm. If you wear a bathing suit, if you cover it with a bathing suit, then it's it's private and it's only for you and certain people that you say it's okay. Like maybe you need 
this is what I tell kids, maybe you need mommy or daddy to help you take a bath. That's okay. You know, it, cause mommy and daddy can help you take a bath and it'd still be okay. Um, but you don't need like <laughs> your next door neighbor helping you take a bath. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or the so, doctor. Yeah. The, the, if you go to the doctor, because, well, but you know, only if the parent is in the room. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And they need to look at you for some reason because you're hurt or something's wrong, then it's okay. Um, but you know, the doctor should still ask and let the kid know what's going on. And I think most of them do that anyways now, but, um, so even if it is your kid, you should ask, go ahead and ask before you touch them for any reason. Mm-hmm. Um, make that a normal thing for them. If, if you're potty training, you still have to wipe your kid, um, ask them or let them know what you're going to do beforehand. Like, okay, do you, do you need mommy or daddy to help you wipe? Is, uh, let them say yes. I mean, they're going to say yes, <laughs> like, you know, because they need your I help. I mean, they but- might not say yes. That, so that's, that's the thing is, a lot of people who like to challenge mm-hmm. on this are like, because some of the, sometimes they don't care. They're like, I want to go back to, you know, whatever I was doing. Right. So like, they'll, like, obviously there are times like they need to be wiped after they use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's a time where like, okay, their bodily autonomy will not be completely respected, you know, mm-hmm. but you'd want to handle that as best as you can. Like you want to explain like, to them why. Right. That, yeah. That's what I was going to say. You want to be like, like, I know that you said no, but it's not, it's not hygienic or mm-hmm. don't use the word. I mean, I don't know if they know what that word means, but it's yeah. not clean for you to not wipe after you go to the bathroom. And mm-hmm. that is, that is why, even though you told me no, we, you know, you know, like you was explaining. We really need to make sure you're clean before you go back to yeah. plan or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause right. The kids will say no, but also, you know, think about why are they saying no? Because there could be a reason that you're not aware of. Um, maybe it hurts because something else is going on. You know, like it's, you know, how many times, um, like, especially uh, like little girls will get like yeast infections or something from like a bubble bath or from not being wiped properly. Um, that happens a lot. And then it's painful and it hurts them. And then they're like, no, I don't want you I don't want you to touch down there. I don't want you. And then parents will sometimes freak out because they think, oh my gosh, who has hurt my child? Maybe, maybe nobody has hurt your child. Maybe there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. Take them to a doctor, you know, get, ask them, have that conversation with them. Because if you can talk to them about what's going on and what has happened, you can feel more, more confident that if something were to happen, they would tell you. Um. So. That's really what it's about is giving kids the power to be able to say no and to say when something has happened that they don't like and they didn't. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, well, so sorry, (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) say, and that kind of goes along with, you know, talking about consent, explaining to, you want to explain to kids what consent is, but also what that means in a legal sense, because they may not fully get it, but you could say, you know, there are some things that you can consent to now as a kid, but there are some things that you can't as a kid. Right. And what are those yeah. things? We need like, to talk about those things. You don't want to ever, um, like, 
like I think this is what you're getting mm-hmm. at. Like hugging kids shouldn't have to hug if they don't want to hug. Right. Um like I have to touch to anyone this, if they don't want to. Right. I used to read this book called It's My Body mm-hmm. um to my clients. And it's just like I have this very special thing. It's my body. It changes as I grow. And I get to be the boss of my body. And it and it doesn't talk about private parts at mm-hmm. all. It just talks about if someone wants to give me a hug and I don't want to give them a hug. If somebody's tickling me and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to hold my hand. And then it teaches you like to, to – and then you like practice. No, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, and like teaching it from the very beginning like my nephew – when he was uh, old enough to just shake his head no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. can I have a hug? And he almost always said no, which was <laughs> so sad. But, like, we all did, like, my whole family. Like, yeah. I would be like, I'd be like, okay, good job for, you know, mm-hmm. good job for saying no. Like, mm-hmm. good job for, like, you want to praise them. Speaking for up for yourself. For yeah. telling me what you're comfortable with or whatever words you want to use. Yeah. Right. And the... This teaching them that from the beginning, it goes, it stays with them. And then when they are older and they do start, you know, dating, having sex, you know, they're going to, or even not like just regular, like even just like hugging your friends or like, they're going to just, it just creates the the culture from the very beginning of how to advocate for your own boundaries and how to respect other people's boundaries. Exactly. Boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it, that's where it starts. You start with your body and what you're okay with and you can work your way out to other things because that can also help when we're talking about when kids get to the age where peer pressure is a thing, they, they have practiced saying no to things like a hug or a hand holding. They're going to feel more confident, hopefully, you know, and they're going to be able to say no when their peers are trying to get them to do things that they don't want to do. Make them comfortable with the word no. And and you can practice it with yourself, too. S- sometimes just because you're a parent doesn't mean you have to have your kid hanging on you all the time. Sometimes you don't want that. And you can say, you know, you know, no, mommy doesn't want to hug right now. Um, mommy still loves you. Yeah. But mommy's body needs. Mommy's tired. (laughs) Mommy needs, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or um, daddy doesn't really want you to to sit on his lap right now. Um, You know, you're you're getting too old for that or whatever, you know, because everyone has different boundaries with that. But like, I still love you. Can you sit next to me instead? Or, you know, I mean, make that a normal thing. Um, If you do it, then your kids are going to do it. But it's hard. It's hard for people. It's awkward. Nobody wants nobody wants to have that conversation with their kids except me. I don't care. I actually like I actually like doing like body safety stuff and talking to kids about this stuff. And so if if you don't want to have that talk with your kids, I will. Just let me come over. And we'll- <laughs> I've got I've got charts and games and books and we can do it together. You don't have to do doesn't it. Doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. Yeah, no. But I mean, it does make a lot of people uncomfortable for reasons. You know, we were talking about earlier. It's understandable. Um, and then we also, um, I know you had information on this. So, um, there's a lot of controversy about spanking, right? Um, no. and how like 
spanking is, and I know you have some more, um, yeah, specific information. Spanking is you are hitting them on a private part, first of all, right? Right, You're hitting them that their butt is private, and then you are hitting it, mm-hmm. and you are not respecting their bodily autonomy. So, right, spanking is the perfect example of crossing those boundaries with your kids when it's, and it's not okay. And it doesn't, it's not helpful in any way. So like we can just take off the table. People are going to say, well, you need to discipline your kid. You need to correct them. Okay. You can do that without spanking. Spanking does nothing. It is not helpful. In fact, it makes things worse. And, and maybe it teaches them to associate the mm-hmm. behavior with the pain or shame of their body. Right. Um, but it teaches them just how to like hide it better. Like it just, all it does is I don't want to get my butt slapped. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to do this so I don't get caught or it just makes them scared. It doesn't teach them anything. You're not teaching them why you don't want them to do the thing. Mm -hmm. You're just making them scared of you and your body from spanking. And so um, before we get into it, just kind of like, I know we were we were raised very differently. I'm I'm gonna assume you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like you were never spanked as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was like, and so I was raised um, very pretty conservative Christian, and that was something that was taught uh, in our church was to spank your kids um, because it's in the Bible, whatever. Um, so. It's in the Bible to spank your kids. <laughs> Not explicitly. That's how they interpreted it. That's oh. a whole other thing. Spare the rod, spoil the child is what they would say. Oh, okay. So you should hit your child with a rod. I don't, whatever. But um, no, but so it's, it, it is one, a very, like a lot of religious um, it, groups will teach that you should spank, that you should have discipline in that way. And so it was sort of, set up as like you spank your child and then you have a moment afterwards where you sit down with them and you talk about what they did wrong and why they shouldn't do it and that you spanked them because you love them and you're wanting them to I know I hold on (laughs) and that you're wanting them to you know, do better. And, and I caused you pain and violated your bodily autonomy because I love you. I love you. Oh, which doesn't that sound like a, like what abusers do? I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure does. The connection, you know, was not made. I I don't understand, but, and it's, it's also, it's also a cultural thing too. In a lot of ways, a lot of people here in the South where I live and work, um, Southern Kentucky spanking is very popular. Lots of people do it. And I have to have this conversation a lot with parents. Like, let's, you know, let's stop spanking and see what happens and maybe try something else. It's obviously not working. That's why you're here. You know, um, if it was working, you, you, you wouldn't have brought your kid here. But um, so, yeah, spanking sends a lot of confusing messages to your child, like we had just said. Um, it violates their bod- bodily autonomy. It causes pain to a very sensitive, personal, private area. 
it causes shame and humiliation. Mm-hmm. It's very humiliating. Um, and it, it, it doesn't teach anything. Um, it really, in fact, studies have shown that it increases aggression. So one of the things um, that they have found um, is, okay, I'll read this. I have a, um, a article here from APA, uh, American Psychological Association, and they talk about spanking and why it causes harm and um, – They say around the world, 30 countries have banned physical punishment of children in all settings, including the home. Uh, The legal ban typically have been used as public as public education tools rather than attempts to criminalize behavior by parents who spank their children. So most of the time they like they've taken spanking out of the classroom because at one point teachers principals would spank their students, which is weird, but um, they've taken that away, but it's still here in the States. It's still pretty common for people to spank their kids in their own home. And I think depending on the state, there's even rules as far as like what CPS considers abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, But because it doesn't work, because it doesn't deter any behavior, um, then parents typically have to continue to spank or increase sort of the level of punishment. And it can get to a point where it can be very dangerous. It's easy when you're an adult and you have a, a child, a small person, and you're using physical force on them to cause them pain. It, there's a very, very thin line of like what can go to where it it, it hurts them, it harms them, um, like to the point where they may need medical attention or something. So it's just not something that you should um, you should do lightly, of course. Right, and I I I feel like some people hearing that may think like, oh, well, I would never, I would never let it get to that point. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what you're saying is that, well, if you start just doing light spanking, you're going to find that it doesn't actually work. And therefore, maybe therefore at that point you'd stop spanking or like you're saying, you would just do it more, do it harder. And even the light spanking has, similar effects just to a lesser extent and it still violates our body in the ways we we already mentioned yes yes and it you know uh, the other thing is like typically when you spank um you're doing it because you're angry so then you're hitting out of anger there's even less control um and so it's just it, it it's just a a perfect storm of bad, bad things can happen. Why would you want to take that chance? Why, why do you, would you want to hurt your child? And I, and I don't think, I think a lot of people who spank, they don't want to hurt their kid. They think they're disciplining them. Um, but that's not what's happening. So a study that was published, 
um, in child abuse and neglect last year revealed an intergenerational cycle of violence in homes where physical punishment was used. Researchers interviewed parents and children ages three to seven for more than a hundred families. Children who were physically punished were more likely to endorse hitting as a means of resolving their conflicts with peers and siblings. Mm -hmm. Parents who had experienced frequent physical punishment during their childhood were more likely to believe it was acceptable and they frequently spanked their children. Their children, in turn, often believe spanking was an appropriate disciplinary method. So not only did they think, oh, I was spanked, it's okay for me to spank, but they were more likely to use hitting with siblings and peers. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just, a, oh, I'm, I'm only going to use this on my children. It's like, I'm going to, this is how I handle things. Um, violence yeah. begets violence, you know? So- I guess a lot of people would be like, what are alternatives then? What are alternatives to spanking? That's the only thing I know to do. How else can I help my kids? A lot of people also say, well, I was spanked and I turned out fine. I like, like, I like, but did you react to that? You sure about that? (laughs) Right. And sometimes, okay. And Okay, so sometimes it's my clients who are in therapy who say that. Yeah. And I, I don't think that people who are ther- in therapy, I don't think just because you're in therapy doesn't mean you're, quote, fine. Like, yeah. you're still a fine person just because you're in therapy. But clearly, you're, uh, the fact that you were spanked may be a part of the reason why you have trouble regulating your emotions. Or maybe right. part of the why you tend to, maybe you don't hit people, but maybe you yell at people. Or maybe you lash out at people. Or, you know, there's, it, it doesn't, so first of all, that logic just doesn't make sense. I was spanked and I turned out fine. They're every, therefore, everyone who's spanked is going to turn out fine. You are one person. And also... It does like fine. What does that even mean? That's like a very vague word. Like you, most people who were spanked have some sort of emotion regulation issue or some sort of difficulty managing, you know, managing their anger, managing their impulses. Um, and they they may like you're saying they're they've been taught that people that love them hurt them. And therefore, can get them caught up in like relationship issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah. right, it, right, right. And it and it because it doesn't teach anything because spanking is just punishment. It's not correction in any way, and it doesn't teach um, a child how to problem solve or hand or communicate or handle their own emotions, which is typically what children are struggling with and why they do certain behaviors that we don't want them to do. Um, Instead of spanking, maybe focus on teaching them those skills. Mm -hmm. And so how to regulate their emotions, how to talk about what's bothering them and, uh, you know, work on those issues with their peers and their siblings, how to problem solve things for themselves that they don't have to resort to hitting or throwing or whatever it is we don't want them to do. And um, I, I've often he- heard people say that they only spank when it's like 
an immediate like 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 for example if they are about to run in the street and you right. stop them and spank them and you that and they their argument is that they need some sort of quick like association like mm-hmm. to quickly teach them but even if you just like yell out like no stop you know that will still give them that immediate like they'll still like come to like a whoa like what did i do you know that'll still give you that it'll still get them to stop and right i mean go grab the if you're gonna grab them anyways to spank them then you can grab them and pull them away so they're out of danger at that point and so why why do you need and so then why do you need to hit them i mean mm -hmm. then when you calm down you can tell them don't do that this is why this is scary Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's like the spanking didn't save them. You pulling them out of the way saved them. So the spanking's unnecessary. Um, and and also like they ran out in the street. They didn't do it with the intention of <laughs> I'm gonna go get hit by a car just to, you know, make my parents upset. Like that's not that's not their intention. It was an accident. So why are we hitting for accidents? Um, it just yeah. a lot of it doesn't make it doesn't follow really logic in my, in my opinion, I don't see the logic in it. And there's so many other ways to discipline. And actually we don't have to go through all of those now. Cause it's not really on topic, but we can do that another time, different ways to teach and discipline, but you can also look it up. I mean, there's lots of stuff out there about it. Um, and just, you know, try, try different things. Um, you know, and not everything works for every kid, but if you're spanking and you're finding that these issues are still happening, well, then obviously the spanking's not working. Yeah. Um, and even if they're not, then, you know, if you're spanking and your kid is n- not doing these things again, not doing these behaviors again, well, then they might also respond to different methods. Yeah, um, better. Yeah, because they, they're responding to this. You know, it doesn't have to – you don't have to result to spanking. Yeah. Um, and so it's – yeah, like it's in, in general, like I think like the overall concept of body safety is my body belongs to me and I get to decide what happens to it mm-hmm. and a parent needs to – teach their children how to keep their body Mm -hmm. safe and you're not keeping your kids body safe by spanking them. And I think another thing that, um, or did you, did you have more on spanking? Um, no, that was pretty much, that was pretty much it. I mean, if, I think if anyone really wants to learn more there, um, they definitely can do some research on why it's, it's not helpful and the things it's correlated with. And there's, there's lot, there's just lots of stuff out there about why spanking is not good and what you can do instead and different ways to parent. And, um, because really long story short is that, you know, raising a kid is hard. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of consistency. And, um, so yeah, spanking is quick and easy, and it's sort of like, well, we dealt with that, we handled the issue, but yeah, it's did you really know? Like, 
yeah. it's going to take a lot more when you have a child. It, it Parenting is hard. Like you have to put the work in. Mm-hmm. Um, so none of these other things that you're going to end up doing to correct are going to be easy. It's that's not the goal is yeah. not for it to be easy. It's to raise children correctly um, another, to be healthy um, adults. Another piece of, of uh, parenting and body safety um, that I actually struggle with a bit um, mm-hmm. about how, like I, I like have differing opinions on this is like how to dress. Oh, and, right. um, you know, you're the, you're the boss of your body. So like, if I ever have kids, like if my kids ever want to do something with their hair mm-hmm. or they ever want like, you know, something that's like harmless, like I'm never going to, if my child wants to dye their hair blue, yeah, I don't see a reason why not, <laughs> you know, and that's teaching them that they get to choose what, mm-hmm. you know, that they're the boss of their body. They get to choose, you know, their hair included. Um, but then like, you have, you know, girls who are like, you know, maybe like entering like mm-hmm. teen, like middle school who want to, yeah, who want to like yeah. wear really like short shorts or like they want to like show their mm-hmm. uh show their belt like wear like um like a crop top or like yeah. and those are very fashionable right now yeah. so it would make sense that kids would want to wear those things because they're in fashion and parents want to be like, no, that's not appropriate. And so that is, you know, that's teaching them that sexualizing their bodies Mm -hmm. and it's teaching them that they don't have control over their bodies. Um, so for the most part, like I, I do, you know, believe that kids, even kids should get to choose what they wear. Um, but, yeah. At the same time, it I do. I mean, because I'm with you on that. I think they should, but I also understand why parents don't want their kids to just wear whatever they want. Because unfortunately, even though we shouldn't sexualize children's body bodies, there are people that do. Yeah, and so it's sort of a um, it's just really a a, a lose lose situation in a lot of ways because you want to protect your kids from people looking at them inappropriately um, or sexualizing them. And in turn, you're policing what they wear, which then in- reinforces the idea that they're, they're sexual in some way, their body. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's but, you know, like 10 year olds and it's like, yeah. well, like why can't I wear these clothes? Like, well, because it's, ba- it's basically saying because your body is set, your 10 year old body mm-hmm. is sexual and needs to be covered up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not good body safety, you know, and, and it's not giving them ownership of their bodies and it's not giving them the ability to express what they want to express with their bodies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, unfortunately, the society we live in, girls' bodies are, are hypersexualized. And so it's like, and that and might it, be the conversation you have with yeah, your daughters. And it, responsibility, like, unfortunately, again, like mm-hmm. the responsibility to keep girls safe falls on the girls themselves and right. their parents. It shouldn't, right. you know, it should, it, it, it shouldn't be like, and, and then that, you know, maybe inadvertently teaches them, like, if you're getting stared at or harassed by 
a a boy or a man, right? It's your fault because of how you dress, right? And that's also not what you want to teach them. It's very hard. It's very hard to say we want you to stay safe and therefore not wear those, like wear different clothes. But if you are still mm-hmm. harassed or assaulted or stared at, it's not your fault. Like it's very, it's, it's a very confusing. difficult thing to, yeah, it's. Teach. Yeah, it's confusing messages. And I remember being a teenager and getting those confusing messages too. again, because conservative Christian household, my parents are very much into modesty. Um, And there's lots of reasons for that. But I think also because at least I know from my dad's standpoint, a lot of times he would say like, I don't I don't want you leaving the house in that top. And I knew what he meant. And it's unfortunate because he wasn't policing me so much in that way just to control, but because he he knows how disgusting the world is. And at and that point, you can have that conversation with your kids yeah. and explain, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. I don't, I don't have a problem with what you wear. This is my concern. And this is why I have these these certain rules and and I know it's unfair and I know it's confusing and that's the that's the way the world is right now for you as yeah. a girl that's the thing it's like it's the reason behind mm-hmm. it like there's a difference between I don't want you to wear that because I want you to be safe and mm-hmm. I don't want you to wear that because because you look slutty you know right, <laughs> right. It, like if you explain it's out of safety and it's in like a compassionate loving way versus like a shaming way mm-hmm. because if it's done in a shaming way or if it's done without ex- explanation it's just like no you can't wear that i'm not letting you out of the house in that if you leave the house wearing that you're grounded that is in a shaming way mm-hmm. and that is teaching girls that their bodies are shameful and, well, and also you're going to want to rebel against that because yeah. what could you do at that age if you're not given a reason and you don't think the reason is a good reason you you will rebel i mean typically that's that's developmentally appropriate so also just to make it easier on yourself <laughs> explain what's going on and you know maybe there are certain places you feel like, okay, they could wear those very on-trend things and they'd be okay. And you can talk to them about that, but there are certain places that you don't want them to. Whatever, whatever, I mean, whatever works, but you know, that's sort of a thing that parents have to figure out with their kids. And until the world is different, that's kind of going to always be an ongoing thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's complicated. I don't think there's anything, well, there's nothing easy about having kids. Um, And, you know, parents are, um, that's probably the hardest job in the world because now you have to worry about other human beings and everything that happens to them. And you have to teach them everything from scratch pretty much. (laughs) You're like, it's, it's scary. Um, so I know a lot of parents are just doing the best they can with what they have. And that's, yeah. that's all you can do. But if you, if you have the opportunity to learn something new, to try something new and to teach your kids 
these things, I definitely take that chance. It's never too late to start. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't get, you didn't have those conversations with them when they're young and now they're teenagers and now it's going to be really awkward, but you need to have those conversations with them. And, and I, and I on. think that, um, this episode, at least I feel like I came off a little judgmental, um, of, of parents and, uh, I just want to say to any parents who maybe do do the things that we have advised mm-hmm. you not to do, um, there is no judgment for the reasons you just said. Parenting mm-hmm. is hard. And we're given all these messages, different messages from people we trust. You know, like if someone you trust mm-hmm. tells you that spanking is good and like, you know, spank, you know, like then you're going to do it, you know, and like. Yeah. And if nobody ever taught you another way to parent. Right. You That's do, the only you, tool you have. Right. And so, um, you know, kudos to all, to all parents who are doing their best. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just sharing what we know um, as therapists who have worked mm-hmm. with children, sexually abused children. Um, right. Right. And, and so that's sort of one thing to like a disclaimer to say, <laughs> Is, you know, a lot of people sometimes working with parents, they're like, well, you know, what do you know? You don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm not speaking from experience. But, um, you know, spoiler alert, I'm never speaking from experience because <laughs> I'm not telling you my opinion. It happens to also be my opinion, but it's because my opinion has changed because of information that I've gathered and things I've learned. But I'm not just telling you. I don't like spanking. I don't think it's okay. I'm telling you what the research is. I'm not just telling you, you should talk to your kids about their body and the appropriate names for things because I think you should, because that's what I do. No, that, that's what the research says. And so I'm trying that's to give a meme from last week. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> when, when, uh, when people try to teach, uh, explain something to me, like I don't have a master's degree in this. Right. I'm just, I'm just giving you the tools that I have learned and, and been taught and gathered from people much, much smarter than me that have done this research. I'm, I'm just relaying that information to you. I'm not saying that I know best because I don't, it's not even my, it's not even my stuff. I didn't come up with this. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing. That's why we can, you don't have to be married to, to be a marriage counselor. You don't have to have children to work with families and children and parenting. Have, um, you know, heart problems to be a cardiologist and you don't have to, um, have had braces to be an orthodontist. Right. School and you learn those things just like we went to school and we learned those things. So. Right. Yeah. It's not our personal opinions. Um, and I think that's, and it's never my personal opinion, at least when in a clinical setting here, sometimes I do give my personal opinion on the podcast, but I also try to give what the evidence says too. Um, so yeah, it's, so I guess, you know, to summarize, the podcast, just start having those conversations with your kids, teach them, um, about their bodies, find some good books. And we can even, we can even make a, a 
small list of resources. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, don't know where to start. And we could put that on the Instagram. Yeah, the book I mentioned, I really, really like it. I used, I read it to every single one of my clients that were sexual abuse. But really, I mean, anyone, any kid should read it. It's called It's My Body. Um, I'll put that one on there. And yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of books. We'll put some that we've, we've come across and, and of course there's lots others, um, out there and you can kind of Google and there's a lot on Amazon and, but, um, yeah. So if you need a place to start, it's never too late to start. If you're, I don't want anyone to listen to this and be like, well, crap, I guess I missed it. Cause my kids are 17 or whatever. Just have that conversation with them anyways. They probably aren't. I mean, at 17, chances are they already know what sex is and where babies come from and what their parts are called, but you might as well have that conversation and open that that line of communication and just be like, you know, if anything happens, you can always come to me. I'm I'm your parent. That's what I'm here for. It doesn't matter how old you are. Right. Agreed. So that's our show. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with friends and family. And don't forget to follow the show's Instagram for updates on new episodes at Just Mental Health Podcast. That is with a period between each word. We record a new episode every week. This is Steph. And M signing off.